Good morning. Welcome. It's so glad to see you this morning. My name is Matt. I'm the lead pastor here at Mission View. If this is your first time here with us or if you're joining us for the first time online, welcome. So glad to have you. Hopefully you enjoyed worship so far. I know that I have. I mean, I uh, missed it last week. I don't know if you heard or not, but um, I uh, had a dirt bike accident and broke three ribs. So for uh, the last couple weeks, I've been laid up and... Um, but I didn't want to miss it. I didn't want to miss a church today. So I am here and um, I am ready to share God's word with you. And Jordan being the kind person, he has brought me a chair just in case I need to sit down as we go through God's word today. Uh, one of the things, um, actually, there's a couple things I wanted to share with you that are really exciting um, for Mission View Church. Uh, we purchased a building and um, there's a lot of plans going on for that building uh, really miraculous things have happened in order for us to pursue this and walk through this with wisdom. One of which is that um, we raised the money to purchase the building fully in one weekend, and we were able to do that. We just praise God for that miracle. Another miracle that's happened that you may not be aware of is the faithful giving and God's provision for Mission View Church through the time of COVID-19, uh, a time when uh, many churches are seeing a steep declines and different things. Uh, I am here to tell you this morning that God has been faithful. You have been faithful here at Mission View Church, and the giving has not only been stable, it's been miraculously good. In fact, over the last three weeks, we have raised $21,000 to give to our missionary partners around the world. And I think we just need to praise the Lord for that. Amen. I mean, what a miracle in a time where many are furloughed, where many are, are not working. Um, I know many people have gone back to work, but, but in that time, we were able to raise that kind of money. Not only that, but we've had probably two of the best months, April or three months, April, May, and June, that we've ever had in the history of Mission View Church. I, I am I, I, I'm beside myself uh, in the miracle that God is working right here in our faces, and I didn't want to um, not recognize that, acknowledge that, and give God the glory for it. You know, He is faithful, and in a time where, where we could be fearful, where we could be Stepping back where we could be saying, I don't know, you know, reaching the 200,000 with the, the grace, the good news of God and the just, you know, the, the gospel that, you know, maybe we need to take a step back from that. Maybe at a time when we've purchased a building and we're looking at this thing and saying, well, you know, maybe we need to stay, take a step back from that. God has shown up in miraculous ways and he's saying, you know what? I'm still God. You know, there's all of these things, there's unprecedented, you know, that's a big word everybody's using for this, unprecedented. You know, there's all these unprecedented things happening right now. You know what? God says, I'm still God. In the unprecedented, in the times where you don't know what's going to happen, in these uncertain times, I am still God, I am still faithful, and I am still in control. That's what God is saying, and that's what God is doing, and he's proving himself in this time, specifically and personally for us here at Mission View Church. So just, I am so thankful for God's faithfulness. I wanted to share that with you. Yesterday morning, a part of the building team met out at the new building, and 
as we walked around the building, man, I was praying as we were walking around and measuring different classrooms for the children's area, marking off different lines and where walls might be and where the stage could be. And as we're working with Sol Harris Day, our architectural firm, they're giving us all these creative ideas. Man, I am so excited. I am really excited about the future of Mission View Church. And this building, I just want to keep this right in, our, in front of us, that this building's just a tool. This is not the end game for Mission View Church. This building is just a tool that God has given us to further His glory, to further the vision of reaching 200,000 people with the love of God and the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, to partner with our missionary partners all over the world. This tool is going to open up so many opportunities for us as a church and for the kingdom of God. And that's what it is. It is a tool. It's not the end game. It is the beginning. It is the beginning of doing this in a more powerful and world-reaching way. So that's why we're excited about this, because it's going to give us opportunities that we don't have right now. And um, so that's why we're excited about this. Um, I also wanted to take time to thank each one of you for um, your prayers and the cards I've received, the meals that my family has received. Um, my father passed away suddenly um, just a few weeks ago and um, had a massive stroke, came home from work. We have a family business that's been in our family since the late 1800s. Uh, he, my grandfather, sold it to my father, and he has been working there since he was 14 years old. Um, it's usually six days a week. He's backed it off to five days a week since he was 68. And, um, but um, came home from work one day, went down to take a shower, and never made it back upstairs. Um, I, I would just want to say thank you for um, your prayers. I, I want you to know that prayer is powerful. And there's this, this thing that happens. It's a supernatural thing that happens. As we pray, God does things. And he shows up. And I want you to know that my family, my mother, uh, my brothers, and my sister and I have felt the prayers. And we are so thankful that uh, you're praying for us, and um, especially for my mom in this time. But um, I wanted just to personally um, and here say thank you for that. And um, also the prayers for the broken ribs and everything else. So it's, it's been a heck of a couple months for, for me, just to be honest. Um, you know, the COVID-19, uh, my father's passing, and then this uh, dirt bike thing that happened. You know, uh, Adam said it last week, he, uh, Pastor Knievel, um, I wish I had a really cool story for this, like I was doing an endo on the front end, or I was jumping triples, you know, and I was doing this really great thing on a dirt bike, but it's not as glorious as that. Um, I was actually doing about three miles an hour, yeah, going down a hill and just turned to the right, and as I gave the, you know, I've ridden dirt bikes and motorcycles for, for many years, uh, the back tire just came out real quick, threw me down to the ground, and broke three ribs. So no glorious fun story on that. It was just silly goofiness. And my, my wife actually at the time, right before I did that, she said, Matt, get off that thing before you hurt yourself. And sure enough, you know, there I go breaking three ribs. But um, today, um, let's get started. We're going to start a new sermon series today called Soulmate. You know, it's funny. You know, as we live out life, we go through life, we, we grow up in our families and we, we come to that age where... We're looking around, we're thinking to ourselves, what's next? We grad maybe it's graduating high school, maybe it's graduating college, and we just think to ourselves, you know, what's next? You know, we see families, we see people getting married and having kids, and 
We watch all the rom-coms and, and all those things where you see a knight in shining armor and a beautiful young lady coming together. They're soulmates. They were made for each other. There's famous movie lines that we even quote today like, you complete me. You know, this idea that, that there's this, this person out there that is set aside for us and we're on this desperate search to find that soulmate. Well, there's all of these confusing things that the world has taught us. And, and I think a lot of it gets caught up in this knight in shining armor idea and, and all the, the romantic comedies that we watch and different things that we see. The world has shown us that, that this, this romance, that this relationship is one thing. But God's word tells us that it's something completely different. That as we meet one another and, and we come together and we get married, that there's purpose and there's reason in it that goes way beyond what the world would tell us it is. So over the next couple of weeks, I want us to really dive into God's word and see what his word, what he says, what God says marriage is really all about, what being a soulmate is really all about. And God, today we're going to be talking about God's purpose for marriage, God's purpose for marriage. Three things, three things I want you to write down or make note of or just remember in your mind. Companionship, sanctification, and evangelism. We're going to look, if you have your Bibles, open up to Genesis chapter 2. We're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 2, uh, where we see the first marriage ceremony that God does, Adam and Eve. So uh, we'll look at that just a little bit. But three things, companionship, sanctification, that's a big church word that just basically means change, and evangelism. Evangelism. You're like, wow, those are, I get companionship, Matt, but sanctification and change? What's that all about, marriage? Evangelism? What does my marriage have to do with evangelism, right? If, if that shocked you, if those three words shocked you, man, I can't wait to share God's scripture with you. If it didn't shock you, I can't wait to share God's word with you about this too. You may be married and struggling. This sermon series is for you. You may be married and happy. This sermon series is for you. You may be looking to get married. This sermon series is for you. You may be happily single and never plan on getting married. This sermon series is for you. What God says about marriage affects and, 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 and colors every area of our lives. Uh, the, the biblical principles for a healthy and joy-filled marriage um, work themselves out in, in nearly every area of our lives, not just in our marriage, but in relationships that go far beyond just our marriage. So if you're at, you're at Genesis 2 in your Bibles, let's pray before we read God's Word right now. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Word. God, that it guides and directs our lives. And right now, we just confess, we submit to your truth. We submit to your word. God, I pray that all of the ideas and preconceptions of, of marriage and things that we've brought that, that are not biblical, that are not from you, God, we lay those things down right now. And God, we pray that you would give us, that you would shift our paradigm a little bit, that you would reveal to us by the power of your Holy Spirit and your word revealed, God, that you would show us what you intend for marriage. And beyond marriage, God, I, get, I pray that you would reveal to us kind of what relationships in the church, our brothers and sisters in Christ, what those things are supposed to look like in view of your word. 
So, Father, come and do what only you can do. Change the hearts of your people for your glory and for our good. We kneel and worship you. We glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's look at uh, Genesis 2, starting verse 18. It says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now, out of the ground, the Lord had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and every beast of the field. But, but for Adam, there was not found a help for, helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs. Wow. Now I'm just going to tell you this scripture means so much more to me than it used to. Poor guy. I mean, I've just got three broken ribs. I don't, I'm not missing one. I can't imagine, you know. I'm sure God had a hand in that, though. I'm sure it's, he didn't experience any pain, I don't think. And closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, whoa, man. Nope, that's not what he said. Sorry. He probably did say that. But anyways, this is, at last, this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called Woman, there it is, he did say that. Because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. The first fill-in in your notes today, if you're watching online, you can get the notes off of our website. Um, you can follow along that way. But the first fill-in in your notes today is this. Marriage is God's idea. Marriage is God's idea. We see it, it says, it is not good the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. Marriage is God's idea. It was his invention. He is the one who sets the rules for marriage and how it is to be lived out for his glory and for our good. We know as Christians, as we read the scriptures, we know this. There's this foundational idea, this foundational belief that we see throughout, throughout all of scripture, and that's this, that everything God's created, every insect, every bird, every mountain, every, every sea, every galaxy, and every person is created for the glory of God, that God would be glorified in it. And marriage is no different. Marriage was created, invented by God for his glory. We also see here that marriage is about partnership or companionship. Then the Lord said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. Woman was made to be a helper. Now, now we see this word helper and, and tendency, we have this idea sometimes to think that it is less than or, or underneath. And that cannot be further from the truth. Helper is not a demeaning term at all. It is often used in Scripture to describe God Almighty Himself. We see that in Psalms 33, Psalm 70, Psalm 115, and in many more places. But the helper fit, helper fit for literally translated means corresponding helper. And additionally means that what was said about him in Genesis 2-7 was also true of her, that they are equal. 
They both had the same nature, created in the image of God, equal. But what man lacked in his aloneness was not good, and she supplied. And what she lacked, he supplied. The culmination of this this amazing thing that God put together is one flesh we see in verse 24. The complete unity of man and woman in holy matrimony or marriage. She was, in fact, the perfect complement to Adam and him for her. What a beautiful picture God paints for us in this unity. God, from the very beginning we see here in the garden, ordained this relationship for the good of all mankind. For from the beginning until the end of time, this relationship, this marriage, or this idea of marriage was meant to be a glorious picture and to be a glorious blessing for all of mankind. The core relationship of the family that that builds and, and models beauty, the beauty of respect, love, humility, and joy. This was to be a picture to the world of the relationship that Christ has with the church. We're going to talk about that at the third point, that that's that form of evangelism in our marriages, that, that our marriages are meant to be a beacon of hope, a picture of beauty and unity, humility, all those things of Christ and the church, especially to our children. Marriage the, the marriage of husband and wife is meant to be an amazing blessing to our children. It's meant to be an amazing example to our children as well. Think about this, and, and I did some research here. Did you know that according to psychology today, this is an old study, but not too old, uh, children who have only one parent have a greater tendency to have diminished self-concept and compromised physical and emotional security, more behavioral problems, more truancy and poor academic performance, more delinquency and youth crime, including violent crime, more promiscuity and teen pregnancy, more drug and alcohol abuse, more homelessness, more exploitation and abuse, more physical health problems, more mental health problems, Future struggle with future relationships, and even a higher mortality rate. That's children without two parents, a father and a mother in the home. When God built the family unit, this husband and wife idea, he knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. It is no accident that marriage is set aside for man and woman, mother and father, till death do us part. But this belief... This biblical idea is being challenged today. And the reality of it is this. Marriage is more than the world believes it to be. And that's the second fill-in in your notes today. Marriage is more than what the world believes it to be today. Marriage is not some hoop you have to go through after you've been living with your girlfriend or boyfriend for a few years. It is not just a gathering to celebrate the love of two people. It's not just about a bride or a groom. It's not just about two families coming together. Marriage is so much more than that. Marriage is a holy covenant or a promise made between two people before the Lord in the presence of 
friends and family. But it goes even deeper and has spiritual, supernatural consequences. Look at verses 23 and 24. Then the man said, This is at last bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. There is something spiritual. There is something miraculous and supernatural beyond explanation that happens when we come together in marriage. There's more that happens in marriage than a ceremony and in an exchange of vows. We become, according to God's word, we become one flesh. Unity, trust, dependency, vulnerability, honesty, transparency, the closest of human relationships possible. This spiritual side, this this supernatural thing that happens, the world completely ignores. God declares we become one flesh, and that's a big, big deal. Spiritually, emotionally, financially, we are joined together. As far as emotional attachments are concerned, the the new unit takes precedence, precedence over all previous and future relationships. We see that in Genesis 2, 24. Some marriage partners continue to place greater weight upon ties with parents than with their new partner. Has anybody ever experienced the problems that go along with that? This biblical principle of leaving and cleaving, we've read it today, that we would leave our father and mother and be joined as one flesh with our our spouse. That means that that relationship, that marriage relationship becomes the primary, the foundational relationship apart from your relationship with Christ. That's number one. That's number one. And when when we, we muddy that up, all kinds of problems can happen and all kinds of of struggles enter into our relationships. It's a recipe for disaster. In the marriage and is a perversion of God's original intention of leaving cleaving. A similar problem can happen when one of the spouses begins to draw closer to our children than our spouse to meet our needs or our emotional needs. That that marriage relationship has to remain number one. Apart from our relationship with Christ, that's just a given number one. The marriage relationship has to stay number one. I do a lot of marriage counseling, and it's, it's extremely common um, to, to work through uh, marriage counseling, finding out that priorities have been dropped. Priorities have been rearranged in unhealthy ways, and it creates all kinds of different problems in the marriage. Husbands, the relationship that you have with your wife is it. That's the primary relationship, focusing on your spouse, wives, your husbands, same way. We can't allow in-laws or parents to come in and, and, and be that primary relationship. Now, we're supposed to, we're, we are called and taught biblically to honor our father and mother, absolutely. But that becomes a secondary relationship when we become married, If marriage, now you may be out there as, as we're talking about marriage, and maybe even as I began to talk about marriage today, maybe you're out there thinking, if marriage is so great, and it's God's invention or it's God's idea, why all the problems? Why do we see such high divorce rates? 
Why do I see so many couples so unhappily married? I mean, if this is God's thing, what's the problem? Why is there so much just mess? What's well, this? We have to deal with sin. And sin muddies up all the glories and beauties that God has created. But even with sin in the mix, God uses what the enemy intends for evil, God will use for good. So all of the struggle and strife and difficulty we see and experience isn't for nothing. It's not for nothing. God wants to use it to to grow us and change us and make us more like his son, Jesus. God, God, let let me just say this. God is changing you. You may be here this morning or listening online this morning and and not have a personal relationship with God. Maybe you're not even, you know, thinking about Jesus and the sacrifice that he made for you. I want you to know that God is changing you right now. Or maybe you're here and you've been a Christian all your life. He is still changing you today. God is is in the business of change. And you've heard me say it a million times, and I'll say it a million more times, is that God loves you too much to leave you the way you are. Praise God for that, that he's changing me and growing me, because Lord knows I need it. And God is changing us. You know what I said earlier, that in marriage we become one flesh, a unity, trust, dependency, vulnerability, honesty, and transparency the closest of human relationships. So what happens? What happens in this closest of human relationships when we sin against each other? What happens? It hurts deeper than any other sin could hurt. Because I've been so vulnerable and I've trusted my wife or you've trusted your husband. You've been transparent. They've they've seen you at your worst and they've seen you at your best and they've accepted you. And you're plowing along through life and everything seems to be fine. And then there's a betrayal or there's a lie or there's harsh words or you didn't name it, it comes in and it hurts. But it doesn't hurt like when somebody does that at work. It hurts deep. It hurts us to our very core because it's a core relationship that we have. It's in that moment, in that pain and struggle and suffering that God is working his will and his purpose in your life. Don't miss God's miraculous work for your good because of the pain and suffering that comes along with the miraculous work. And that's difficult. That is really, really hard. I mean, how do we, when we've been been cut to the core, how do we? How do we say, what's going on with this? God, what's going on? What do we do now? This is when, this is when the... Our Christianity, our relationship with God, the rubber really meets the road. In that suffering, 
Am I going to run from the Lord? God, I can't believe you allowed this to happen. I'm out of here. I'm done with this. Forget it. Or are we going to run to the Lord? God, I don't understand. Why'd you allow this to come into my life? This is too hard. This is too painful. God, help. Will you help me in this this pain and this suffering? God, I I love you. I, I love my spouse, but man, they're not always lovable. The next time you want to take your spouse's head off, instead of stewing over how they've wronged you, ask God, what are you trying to teach me right now? What are you trying to do in this heart through this pain right now? Is it the opportunity to show forgiveness Like God, show us forgiveness through what Christ did. The Bible says that while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. While I was an enemy of God, pursuing my own wants and desires, selfishly and pride, full of pride and sinfulness, going after what Matt wanted, Jesus, being God, saw me. And he said, you know what? I'll go to the cross anyways. Is it in that moment, in that suffering that you're walking through, is it the moment that you have to walk out the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of repentance, forgiveness, and the glory that God does through the power of his Holy Spirit? Is that where you're at right now in your relationship with your spouse? Walk it out, run to Jesus with the tears that are shed. Not one tear that is shed will go to waste because God will use it for his glory and for your good. Is that what God's doing? What about relationships outside of marriage? This biblical principle applies. What is it with your, maybe your brother or siblings, mother, father, relationships at work or best friends where they've betrayed us or they've done something wrong to us, you know, talk behind our back or put it on Facebook or whatever? Is it an opportunity to be an example of the love, grace, and mercy of God through what Jesus Christ has done for you and me? What an awesome opportunity God has given us. Don't miss it in the suffering and in the pain. Here's what we have to get to, church. You think that you got married just to be happy. And God brought you into your marriage to do so much more than bring you happiness. He wants to use it to make you holy. Did you hear me on that? Sometimes we can get to the point where we think that marriage is all about my happiness. And God has created marriage for our holiness. He's going to use it to sanctify us. And that's what this idea of becoming one flesh reveals. Sure, it's for companionship. And sure, we become one flesh. But in that becoming of one flesh, we are going to experience the sanctification of God in our lives and in our marriages for our good and for God's glory. 
Now, the last filling in your notes is this. Marriage is bigger than the two of us. And this is where evangelism comes in. I said those three things, companionship, sanctification, and now evangelism. Marriage is bigger than the two of us. As we take a look at marriage in Scripture from a bird's eye view, and and I don't have the time to go to all these verses, but you can read them in in your time. You could all throughout the New Testament, but you know, really clearly in Ephesians chapter 5, we see this picture of of marriage. And as God talks about marriage in the Bible, he has this tendency to always bring up another relationship, husbands and wives, and then he'll say Christ in the church. And it's this almost interchangeable idea of this husband is a picture of Christ and the wife is a picture of the church. And, and he doesn't even really, Paul doesn't even really, you know, give us a book note or anything else. He just goes right into it. Husbands, wives, Christ in the church. Husbands, wives, Christ in the church. We get this picture that, that marriage is more than just the two of us. That, that as we walk out these biblical principles of repentance and forgiveness and love and peace and joy and, and as we just walk through lovingly with each other, that, that Christian marriage is meant to be a beacon of hope to all the world. That, that people would look into what a Christian marriage looks like and be like, what is going on? God's idea is that you would be so in love with your spouse that everybody who looked in it and saw your marriage would be like, what? What is up? What is up with Adam and Emily? Do you see how they love each other? It's this amazing, sacrificial, glorious love that I just, I can't explain it. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, Adam, I mean, that Emily would love Adam. She's a saint. No, I'm just giving, I'm giving Adam a hard time. No, it's a, but we see it. We, that, that is God's purpose for your marriage. Christian marriage should be an amazing picture of of joy and peace and forgiveness and repentance. And you've heard me say this before. There's, There's two things that us Christians should be professionals at. Two things. Repentance and forgiveness. Can I get an amen? I heard one amen, but right? It's because we sin. You know, when you meet Jesus, you don't stop sinning. You just become forgiven and you start to sin less by the glorious power of the Holy Spirit working in us. I still sin, but in my sin, I run to Christ and I find forgiveness. And then I run to those I sinned against and I ask for their forgiveness. And in that glorious exchange, those relationships become deeper. Those relationships become truer. Those relationships begin to mirror an amazing picture to the world of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is simply this, that Jesus came and lived a perfect life that you and I can't live. And he did it for you and me. And then he died a sinner's death on a cross that you and I deserved. And then he rose the third day, defeating sin and death for you and me. That's the glorious news. And it's a free gift that God gives us not any merit we deserve. It is free. It is the most expensive gift ever given, but it is free to you and me because of what Jesus has done. And as we model that good news with our spouse and in other relationships that we do, God is glorified because the world sees the good news, not just in word, but acted out and lived out in your and my life. And it's all through the power of the Holy Spirit to the glory 
of God because of what Jesus has done for you and me. Matthew 5, 14 says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Our marriages are built not on the foundation of our spouse's performance, or what they can give us, or how they make us feel, but it is based on our gratefulness and our thankfulness to God for the gift of his son, Jesus, and our excitement to glorify him in our love for our spouse. Only when our marriages focus on Christ do they reflect Christ. And can we live out these biblical principles? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of marriage. We thank you for the gift of your son. Lord, these biblical principles go so far beyond just marriage relationship. But, but right now, I want to pray for marriages here and marriages watching online. God, come and do a work that only you can do. As we face struggles, as we, as we sin against one another and, and we live out unlovable seasons sometimes, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would empower us to love one another as you have loved us through Jesus Christ. We recognize the work of Christ for us and we say, thank you, Father. Thank you for the gift of your Son. But more than that, we thank you for the gift that you've given us to live out that same kind of love for those around us. God, I pray that marriages at Mission View Church would be a beacon of hope to the world. And as we live out biblical love for one another, sacrificial love for one another, those around us would wonder why. Give us opportunities to share the good news. In Jesus' name, amen.